0: Oh, sure. So I want to talk about overcoming life's problems. I don't suppose anybody here has any problems, uh, but just in case. I've wanted to share this message a lot uh, for a long time, and it finally came out uh, just like I, I wanted to say it. I, I, I've been searching for the words, you know, for a long time. How many know we have a few problems, you know? And so when I say overcoming life's problems, there's more than usual in the atmosphere uh, today, and uh, so we've had a little problem in our area uh, this fire that Janice and I have been gone all week. We've been in Northern California and just got back and we turn on the news, you know, before we got back on like Friday night and like, like in Laguna Niguel and all over Fox, all over the, you know, there's a fire in Laguna Niguel. And by the way, they're saying it, you know, you think, oh my gosh, the whole place is burned down and there's not gonna be nothing, anything left by the time I get back, right? But you know, so it was interesting because uh, we came back. You know, the first thing I wanted to go see was where the where the fire was, you know. And so, like yesterday, my daughter drove me up, and I'm looking over there, and I'm going, wow, this isn't like 5,000 acres. This isn't like 20,000 miles of burned, it's just like, there's a space down there. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right, and I learned that some houses got burned down, which is a horrible thing. So, Lord, we just pray for them right now. God, I just pray you would help them to recover. I pray, God, that you would just supernaturally help them, whatever situation they're in, and anybody that's been adversely affected, in Jesus' name. But when Saturday came, the oddest thing happened. So I'm looking at the news and they say, Well, the fire in Laguna Niguel is only forty percent contained. So I drove around and now I took my son in my car and I couldn't remember where the darn thing was. I'm driving all over Laguna now, I couldn't even find it, but but and evidently but they said there's this it's still going. And there's no fire trucks anywhere and i and so I thought to myself, Well, what must be happening Surely it wouldn't be lying to us, 40% contained. It must mean that it's still smoldering and the possibility for it to erupt again is still in the place. But I was thinking about that. Wow, what a picture of where we're at as a country. This smoldering thing that can flare up at any moment, just when you think everything's okay, things start smoldering again. Have you noticed that? <laughs> this is exactly where we're at right now. contained. We want it to be all the way contained and go to another place. (laughs) COVID, would you stop doing that? You're contained. Stop coming out of the container and making it all a mess again, right? And of course, all the politics and all the other stuff that goes with it, right? Wow, what an environment we're in. That fire They say it's 40% contained, so there's embers burning evidently or something, because I couldn't see any flames, but evidently something's not right yet. And this is exactly what's happening in our culture. Just when we think we're on the other side of all the violence and all the rest of it, you know, it's still smoldering, right? And so one thing I think is so important as Christians is to understand that we have the keys to this problem. I know that sounds so strange, and I don't mean to say it in an arrogant way, like our philosophies or whatever are going to be what puts this out. It's a spiritual fire. It's coming right from the pit of hell, and it has to be dealt with on a spiritual level, or it will not be dealt with. So that means that we have to make uh, some really important decisions about the way we live our life and the way we respond. I think if a fire is smoldering, right, but you can't see it, but it's still smoldering. It could kick up anytime. You, you sort of need to know and understand something about the root cause, right? And what puts out the fire. And so, as I have got this title, Overcoming Life's Problems, we have this one huge big problem. <laughs> or multiple problems, but related to COVID, related to Ukrainian war and all the rest of it, and the rampant out-of-control inflation, which is affecting all of us and all the rest, we are in a whole different place. But in overcoming this problem and the other problems connected to it, I have just three main points here. And uh, the first thing is, we as the body of Christ need to think differently. Amen. Ultimately, God is your only source and your only resource. You have to settle that thing in your mind and in your heart. When God calls you to an extraordinary task, which is ministering, God to this culture and this time and praying for it. He provides extraordinary resources. John Wimber said that. And we are called as a church to an extraordinary task. We are the salt of the earth, or we are not. We are the light of the world, or we are not. So if we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, then what we do must have some impact on these Gargantuan problems that seem to be simmering, 40% contained, ready to spout up any moment, right? Everything from COVID to the economy, inflation to wars and rumors of wars. And so, I want to think about this, thinking differently. You know how I know that we haven't stopped or started thinking differently yet? So, it turns out that when we have a national crisis, the Bible has a prescription for it. What is that prescription? Anybody know? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, right? So, it's, we can picture Israel standing before God in the temple, crying out to God for help, right, in the crisis. The enemy's coming, about to knock their block off. (laughs) They had that more than once, right? And we have these scenes of the Old Testament of when a good king was in place, all of them there together, humbling themselves before the Lord. In one case, they were going to fight, but the Lord fought the battle before they even got there. They're marching the troops up to, I like this word, the Pass of Aziz. <laughs> the Pass of Aziz. And they're marching it up. And when they got to the valley where they're supposed to fight this mighty army that's coming against them, God already dealt with it, and everybody's laid dead out on the ground. And they went and got the spoil. That's all they did. And the way they did it was, it's so interesting, they're marching and they have some worship going on in front of the ark. You know, and they're going in front of the troops, actually. And they're going forward with worship, right? That's how they won. <laughs> they go over, look over. Hmm, everybody's dead. And everybody goes, hey, to the spoil. And everybody goes to get the spoils, you know, and they're having, they had like a constant worship service for days and weeks afterward. They thought they were going to have a war, but God dealt with it differently. So in crisis, you need to think differently. Even the church needs to think differently. I know we're not thinking differently already because I know we called a, a prayer meeting And uh, a national prayer meeting, kind of a house of prayer meeting like like we see in Israel's case in that one example I've given you, right? And so there was about, well, the planner of it and and a couple of our pastors knew what we could expect, probably 300 people out there. But you would think in the midst of all the stuff that we're getting and having, there would be 5,000 or 10,000. Or prayer just doesn't really matter much, I suppose, especially corporate prayer. We see it in the Bible, I would say it in the entire nations, but maybe we just don't need that at all. I don't know. As things get move along, I'm beginning to think that probably we need to change our minds and we need to think differently. See, on that little time we had the National Day of Prayer where the whole nation's praying, there probably should have been thousands upon thousands of people laying on the ground crying out to God. Oh, maybe the fire is contained and we don't need to do that anymore. Or maybe it's 40% contained and could bust out again any moment. That's kind of where we're at. The picture in Laguna Niguel is where we're at. As much as we want it to be contained, to be over and move on with our lives, it just doesn't seem to want to go away. The reason why is because its origin probably is not in this world. It's from hell. And the only one that can deal with hell is the church agreeing in prayer, asking God to do something different. We have to think differently about the whole thing, right? We have to settle in our mind that God's our only source and He's our only resource. And He's calling the church to an extraordinary task to be light and leaven in this time. Saltier. So we do it with information. We can do it somewhat politically. But the real political thing is binding the forces of evil that are behind it in the first place. And we're not doing too good with that one. Because we're not particularly as a church as a whole very supernaturally minded. We don't think in those terms. Other cultures do uh, because they're more supernaturally, they have a supernatural worldview. We don't. So as a secular worldview people, we have a hard time even as the church connecting on a supernatural level and thinking that if we went out into a field somewhere and actually prayed together with some unbelievers, it would actually would change my area and change my circumstances, right? So we just don't think like that. But I'm wondering in this 40% Contained world. If perhaps God's challenging the church to start thinking this way, they're going to have to think a little different way because whatever we've been using to put the fires out, they just keep seeming to burning out of control. Just when you get one fire out, we got a Ukrainian situation. Just when you get that bur- taken care of, supposedly something else is breaking out. inflation's breaking out. Who knows what's going to break out? And the root of it is coming from the pit of hell. Not only an ideology that's false. There's some of that, so let's go deal with that. But that's not really the heart of the matter. We need to think clearly about our government and so on and so forth. That's right. But what's fuming? This what's fueling this is from the pit of hell. It's got a supernatural origin, and to deal with it, we have to go to a supernatural place. And one of the simplest places to go is learning to pray. To pray. So if you look at your outline under one, there, think differently. You can learn to listen to God. We don't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Amen. So we've been doing that in this season a little bit more than usual. So we heard from the mouth of God, we've got to have a school. We have to take hold of that area right now. So we've been doing it, and it's just been quite a shocking thing. It was one thing to say we're going to do it, but then when we did it, and then to see the wind of God behind it, putting it together so quickly, it's dizzying, like we're going to have a, we'll be in uh, ninth and 10th grade by next year. We just started it last year. So, it's a homeschool school. school. It's a weird kind of school, but it works really, really good. It works better than public school by a long shot. It works better than even the traditional Christian school because of the way it's put together and the way we do it. It's a remarkable solution in this time, right? And so, he provides extraordinary resource and knowledge and information, and that's just one area. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here's a good place to start. Why don't you read your Bible? (laughs) I read through my Bible every year, twice in the New Testament, once in the Old Testament. I'm not bragging. I do it for survival. I do it because I don't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And there are stories in it. It's a little rough as you're going through Exodus and Leviticus. (laughs) But there's plenty of other places as you go through, you go, even there you can discover things and information and stuff that connect right directly to your life. Because it turns out that when you read the Bible, this really is the Word of God. And when you actually read it, the Spirit of God goes, "Ha ha! he's reading his Bible again. I think I'll just show him this. And I think I'll show him that. And I think I'll teach him this. And by the way, I, I got that answer that he needed for tomorrow's business meeting right there in the chapter. Here it is. You know, and, it, and he arranges, so your Bible reading arranges just at the moment where you have that important business meeting to make a decision about something, right? right? Like there's verses, crazy verses. Like you'll read along and all of a sudden you'll read this verse. And you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. And other things like that. Just constant, like, wow, that's for me today. That's for me today. And verses and words. And like that, the Bible's living. We need to think differently about our Bible. It's not just a historical collection. It's got life in it, experiences in it, promises in it. Stand on the promises all there for you to live. You don't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And here's a bunch of them right here. (laughs) You struggle a little bit with the early part of the Old Testament. Just try on the New Testament. It's full of great promises and beautiful things. So that's one place. Another one is just stay connected to God's people. With regard to the Word of God, you know, I tell you, I've had the craziest experiences. Someone will come up to you, especially in an environment like we have, and give you the craziest word. Say something to you that they have no way of knowing. Maybe a prayer of encouragement. How they know that? You think, how they know that? Or just a word about direction. You know, or, hey, you know, da 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 Or, have you considered such and such? I mean, the body of Christ is just that. It's Christ's representatives, and he puts his word in us. He, he, he puts his information in us. He puts his uh, resources in us. Oh, yeah. And sometimes I've seen it happen a thousand times. Somebody doesn't have something, and then somebody calls somebody, and somebody knows somebody, and pretty soon somebody has something. And we see it played out on our campus day in and day out, day in and day out, I think we're feeding about 150 people Monday, Wednesday, every Monday, Wednesday and Friday now or uh, maybe I got the exact number wrong but something like that. It's really astounding. They're getting words and encouragement and prayer and, and the body is just beginning. And, but, but just hanging around God's people, there's more resources than you could imagine just hanging around people. You would be shocked what God does just by knowing people that know Jesus and that can pray for you. Sometimes they'll pray for you, and then they'll think about it, think about it, and they'll call a friend, and the friend will go, hey, I can help them there. Okay. Oh, there's a network. The stupidest thing you could do is not be connected to God's people. This is a really dumb idea right now. You need people now that you know that God God with skin on. People that know your name. You're close enough to the Bible that you can actually call someone up or be connected. Any way you can find in a smaller group or a larger group to be a part. Do it. It's just wisdom from God, but especially now, right? Even if you don't get a word from your Bible, you might get a word of advice or wisdom from someone just... Even right here at the front. They don't even know you from Adam. They'll say something to you. Is your left knee hurting? Yeah, how'd you know? I think God would. Well, why don't I pray for him? Oh, yeah, sure, go ahead. <laughs> they get well. I mean, things like that. And also, um, this time, uh, I'm going to read John chapter 5, 19 and 20. This is all about thinking differently. Re- rethinking the way we, we survive and live in this time, right? Listen to this. For the... For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all He does. Yes, and He'll show Him even greater works than these, so that you'll be amazed. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He does. So one thing that we found out, and this is going to go back to the Father's Love Weekend, is we found out that when we draw close to God, when the Father, when we know that the Father loves us, see, the thing of Jesus' ministry is, the Father loved him and showed him all he did. Those are two are connected. He felt the love of God, and then that gave him the information, prophetic information, insight. What do I do next, God? We think we've got to get this heightened uh, place where we're like in this stupor and trying to pray and fast for 40 days and 40 nights. Well, that might help, unless you get a religious spirit in there somewhere, and then it probably won't help at all. But the key to hearing God's voice is to receiving His love, to actually believing and experiencing His love. When you feel loved by God, you start hearing from God. For the Father loves, this is what Jesus said about Himself, for the Father loves, that word is phileo, it's the word for natural affection. Like if I put my arm around my wife, that's phileo love. For the Father hugs the Son, hugs Jesus. For the Father hugs you as a son and daughter, and then what does He do? He shows Him all that He does. Yes, and He will show him even greater works than these, so you'll be amazed. So, like, to hear God's voice is to feel His hug. When you feel His hug, you can hear His voice much more clearly, right? So, we need to think differently. We need impartations of love. Not just tongues, not just supernatural healing. We need an impartation of intimate love that the Father brings. And in that love experience, that's a supernatural experience, you can hear His voice. He starts talking to you, sometimes with impressions, sometimes with this or that, but you, you know it's God. So it's good charismatics. We always have a room for hearing God's voice and prophetic, but, but the most powerful ways to hear God's voice is to be in love with Him, to feel His love coming down on you. When well, you don't feel His love, I don't care what kind of prophetic word that you get or what kind of Bible verse you get, you won't listen to it anyway. It's just information to you. But when love's there and then you feel a sense of revelation, it sticks, it stays. You can hear. Your ears get unplugged. One of our problems with not hearing God is that we don't believe God really cares anything about us. How can you hear God in that environment? If you don't believe God cares anything about you, then you can't hear. It's so important that we just go back to really simple things. One thing I love about worship that we do is it unstops my ears. Why? Why? Because I connect emotionally with God. I feel His presence. I can sing. And I just, ah. And then I begin to hear. I begin to see my problems more clearly. Don't you? Right? So, think differently. Yeah. Listening to the Father's voice as a da- son or a daughter is really critical. It was the key to Jesus' life. For the Father loves the Son. That Son, S, capital S-O-N, Jesus. And shows Him all He does. Yes, and He will show him even greater works than these, so that you'll be amazed. So the key to Jesus' supernatural ministry was He was hearing from the Father. He was getting these divine hugs from the Father, and the Father's showing Him this and that. That's the way dads are supposed to be. You get your best information from your earthly father when He's showing you affection. Lots of parents want to tell their kids what to do, this, 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 right? And when they don't listen, they get so frustrated. But could I say to you, one really healthy way to have your children hear a voice is to make sure that they feel loved by you, then they will listen. If we're just barking out orders and you're in our own isolation and you're angry all the time, you're upset and you don't feel any father's love yourself, it's hard for you to give that away That's right. to somebody else. But God will bring that love. So we talk a lot about that in my classes and we'll talk about that in this weekend, but the Father's voice is one of those things. You can learn to listen to God. When you learn to listen to God, you can think differently. And one of the key avenues is learning to receive the affection of God. We need to learn to pray continually with heaven's protocol, with confidence for what you need. This time where we have a 40% contained fires everywhere. <laughs> I'm not just speaking of the one up the road, if indeed that's true, which is still hard to believe, but it must be something I don't know. But I can surely see it over our culture. Just the moment we feel like we got things contained, it turns out it's not contained. It's just halfway contained, <laughs> and it starts burning again in some other crazy area, and some other govern another governmental edict, or somebody else wants to do something else to our culture, and crazy stuff's going on. Right? I think all of us can identify with this. But look at this. Think differently. Here's Paul's way of thinking differently. He's writing this to the Philippians. That's the place where he was thrown in jail, beaten to a pulp in a jail, chained to the cell, and he said, Hey Silas, I think I'll think differently about this. How about you? Okay, what can we sing? All right, let's start singing some hymns. And as they're singing the hymn, guess what happens? An earthquake comes and shakes the cell, the bonds come off, and that's how Paul gets out of jail. These same Philippians, it had happened years before, he writes, Rejoice in the Lord always, that's what he was doing while he was in jail. He's singing, worshiping, like we did today. Worship is important. You know why worship's important? Why it's important to be worshiping the most high God somewhere, somehow in your life, preferably every day? Is because when you worship, you're saying something different about your circumstance. You're saying, you know what, there's someone higher than me, someone I'm going to give honor and glory to no matter what. Right? And it changes the circumstance. Just like it did. It it shakes the bonds. It it breaks the bondage of because what your real problem isn't your circumstance, the real problem is the devil behind it who's trying to enforce His will on you. That's why Paul says, you know, Philippians, remember what happened. I'm just going to tell you this. Remember how I rejoiced in that jail cell? Rejoice in the Lord always. And he says, you hey, remember, I'll say it again. Rejoice, right? Let your gentleness be evident at all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, think on these things, right? So this prayer thing, though, is the the key. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and and petition with thanksgiving. I like that, with thanksgiving. Not out of terror, not out of absolute anger. You know, sometimes, like, sometimes I listen to people praying, and they're just ticked off. It's just one big, long, ticked-off session, (laughs) And they call, then they, they get, the more emotional they get about it, then they, at the end of it, they, well, that was a great time of intercession. You didn't intercede about nothing. All you did was get mad. That that wasn't intercession. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm it's not saying you can't be passionate. I'm just saying, and you can hear the anger seething through some- <laughs> So I think that's the opposite of what we're after here. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every petition, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, your prayers are salted. Lord, thank you. You've got this in control. But I thank you for my high and lofty place as a son or a daughter of the Most High God. And I petition you. And I thank you for everything you've done and are doing. And I appreciate it, but I need this too. Please have mercy on us. Right? Oh, that's thinking differently, isn't it? Also, learning to expect God's victory over enemies, over your enemies. And experience his beauty as you see him as you seek him in his temple. We did that today. Some of those beautiful verses that have ever been penned, we actually did as an experience today as we were worshiping. That's why we like to worship. We like to worship I don't know if we're average worship or sometimes our worship extends on muddy nights, especially it usually goes like an hour and fifteen, hour and a half, maybe. Why? Well here it is Psalm twenty seven. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, if my, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing. Why could I be all that? Here it is. I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to sink in his temple. What's the temple now? It's us together, the believers. There was a formal temple where David would go in and he would literally gaze in the presence of the Lord. Where two or three gathered together, there the Lord is. He's here. And I've been gazing for a long time alive. life. I'm getting older now, so I guess you could call me a gazing geezer. <laughs> but I'm beholding... I never get tired of the beauty of the Lord. I felt the beauty of the Lord here. It's it's the right thing to do. So when you're in that place, you don't worry about your enemies nearly as much. Right? Because he's saying, though an army besiege me, I'm I'm not afraid. When the wicked advance against me, I'm I'm not afraid. They're going to be the ones that are devoured, not me. Oh, the church needs to get a hold of this. We need to get a hold of who we are. One thing I ask my Lord, that's all I'm going to do is, I just want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I want to gaze on His beauty because, verse 5, for in the day of trouble He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of His sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me at a sacred tent. I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music the Lord. That doesn't mean that we ignore what's going on around us, that we don't have something to say to our culture, and we don't, st- we don't stand up for the truth. We do that, but listen. What our real enemy is, not those people that are sort of the faces of the enemy. We have something farther upstream that's polluting it. It's called demonic presence. Authorities in high places. They're not very impressed with you until you begin to worship the Most High God. And the presence comes. And David knew it. David, this amazing general, this amazing uh, victorious general, warrior, the worshiping warrior. And his warriorhood was so important in his walk with God. And so we read how he actually won his battles, even his military battles. Battles. And then he says in verse 13 and 14, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong take heart and wait for the Lord. I'm going to tell you, church, as we grab a hold of it, as the whole church gets a hold of these things and understands where we are and how to wage war in these worshipful, beautiful ways with our Father, and let love just sweep over that love, empower us to continue to pray and intercede. We're going to see some amazing things happen. But we need to think differently as the church. First. That means that we can stand up politically or wherever we think we should, but not empowered by a religious spirit or with a spirit of fear, because there's a big difference. And the spirit of fear will get us nowhere. It just gives us more religion, and we don't need any more of that, because the devil loves worship. And he'll beat you with with it on every turn. You just see it, you know. But there's something different with the church that's in love with the Father, and the Father's in love with. We act differently. We experience it. We pray differently, and we pray longer, right? And we pray with more passion, and we touch the heart of God. That's why Paul said, "I pray." This is verse 17 of Ephesians 3. I pray. Verse 16, that I of his glorious riches he may strengthen his power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love. That's why we're doing this, Father loves you thing. There's nothing more important to be rooted and established in love, supernaturally. I'm not just talking about Jesus loves me, this I know, that's fine. But I mean in the heart, down deep, I know Almighty God loves me. He's not going to leave me in this Christ. Whether it's a fire, or whether it's an economic fire, whether it's a war, He's not going to leave me or the church. I'm going to be just fine and God's going to take care of me. May have power together, all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Are you kidding me that that's actually an experience I can pray for? That I can actually know the the height of God's love and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I tell you, when the love comes like that, it's the most amazing thing. I live for this experience. I live for an actual supernatural impartation of the love of God. Maybe some of you got a taste of that when you're worshiping. But whenever love comes, it causes everything to settle. Your mind clears. You know the right time and procedure. Everything. And you pray like crazy. And also God gives you a voice for your culture that's real and authentic and has teeth in it. (laughs) Right? Because we're getting it from the throne room. You know, we're not just mindlessly following someone, but we're getting it from the throne room conviction. Some of those wonderful things I've, I've watched on the news from time to time is they go into these school board meetings and everything. So every once in a while, you'll see something that's just absolutely astounding. You know, uh, not the like throwing mud and going back and forth. And of course, the camera likes to get that. But just someone standing up for truth right there in the public marketplace in a calm, clear way stating what needs to be done and what's happened. It's just the most amazing thing. So in the public place, we can do this as well. Doesn't mean that it's just in a private room somewhere, but this is our source. So, one that's empowered and feeling the love of God responds, communicates, acts differently than one that's just got a religious spirit and is mad and angry, or more importantly, afraid. And that fear, the world f- feeds on that fear. You know? Sometimes you see in these meetings and things that people are there responding to fear in the world and the devil feeds on it. He gets more fire from it. If you want to put the, make the fire bigger, then let the fire just grow of fear in your heart so you're going to go off all different ways. Looking up the next prophetic word or message on the internet, doing whatever you can, looking desperately, trying to find answers. Sometimes the answer was always in here. Just hear his voice. He'll help you to know what to navigate. He'll tell you the truth. So important that we, like David, can go into his temple. What's the temple? You individually is the New Testament temple and corporately, that's what the Bible calls the temple. We are the temple. So it should be a place where we can encounter the beauty of the Lord, the love of God, settle our heart so we can think clearly how to put out the real fires out there caused by the devil. A person full of love thinks differently. That's how we overcome life problems. Here's the second way. Give generously. Hopefully, I can get through this part a little faster. Sow seed toward your breakthrough every single day. God loves generous people. Whatever generosity we're talking about. You know what was happening right here with this man that was up in the front? That was generous of you. I love a church that comes and just gather around him. You don't even know him. And you're just encouraging him. That's a beautiful thing. That's generosity. Just going out of your way. I see it in our warehouse everywhere. I see it wherever we... All over this campus, I just love the generosity that's been experienced. We have a natural generosity place. It's one of the reasons why we started with the warehouse. We, we didn't mean it for it to be a business. It turns into business, but it's what it generates, what it enables us to do financially, what it enables us to do with feeding people and taking care of people, clothing people, whatever. It, it, we live and breathe generosity around here, and it's glorious because when we, we, we're, we're able to do that, that, it overcomes so many things because it's so much like God, right? And I'm just grateful that we have any kind of chance to be like that corporately. Do not judge, you will not be judged. Do not condemn, you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, will be measured to you. When you give extravagantly out to other people in their place of need, it comes back on your own head. You sow seed toward your own break- breakthrough when you're more generous. And when times dry up, and the jobs dry up, and there's problems, that's the time to be more generous. It's the time for you to come out of that space and give God something to work with. It's like seed that's sowed; It becomes a harvest. The kingdom works exactly the opposite. Well, our greatest privilege is to be generous. If a church isn't generous, then where are we? But when you're generous as a church or an individual, God will fight battles for you in the supernatural that you can't imagine. Not just about your money, but about everything else. Because the money, if it's the root of all sorts of evil, then also it could be turned in a way that we manage it properly. We also see an amazing download of good in the earth. Not just in the earth, but in our own soul. Ask God what He wants you to sow as part of the answer to your problems. Matthew chapter 17, verses 19 to 20. See, there's a wisdom path that God brings. So we... We, 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 we learn to give out of our own need. And in that wisdom, we find God multiplying it over and over and over again in our life. Matthew 17, 19 to 20. The disciples asked, why couldn't we drive this particular demon out? And Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. This is part of God's wisdom path. He wants us to be a part of the answer and the problems in the world. We need to learn to say, move, Mountain, <laughs> right? And faith. And this is part of the wisdom path. So there's faith is going to be an ingredient we have to walk in. So we're going to have to learn to really walk in some risky places and believe in God for some things and believe in God. So whether it is, for example, to move or to stay, make sure God's in it. Otherwise, you're just gonna have to move again, because if you tie the when you're when you're, you know, it's sort of like this rhythm you have in your life, and if you don't make the right move, then he'll take you back to the where you came from and start all over again. Oh so you want to make sure that whatever you're doing with regard to your movements right now is from God's wisdom, because you keep praying for wisdom and then say, well, then why did you leave? Well, I. I don't know. I was really afraid. uh, Right? But if it was the right thing, I left because you told me to. And I'm fighting this out every day, and I'm going to make it here in Virginia or up the street or wherever it is, right? But here's the key thing. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously. That's the thing. God gives generously without finding fault. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, such a person is is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So if you go and make a decision, a life decision, a huge decision, just make sure that you get the wisdom from the Lord, and He'll give it to you generously. But you've got to make sure that when you ask, there's a little bit of faith in there, because if there's no faith and all there is is fear, He can tell you wisdom all day long, and you will not listen because you're too terrified to listen. It's a time to be brave. When bravery comes, you get the right thing. You'll do the right thing. If you're supposed to move to Botswana, you'll move to Botswana. If you're supposed to move around the corner, you move around the corner. If you're supposed not to move but stay, you'll stay. But whatever you do, God gives wisdom, but faith has got to be on the other side. The thing is, we're part of the answer to our problems. So giving generously is a a critical part of this because what it does, it moves us from outside of us, right? Right? If you look on your outline, 2A1, there sowing breakthrough seed honors God and blesses others. And so this little passage in Luke chapter 6 is one of the most dramatic passages uh, for me uh, in the Bible. I just love this thing so much. Do not judge, you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. So all this is generosity. If I give extravagant forgiveness, guess what? I get forgiven. If I don't condemn when I, even when I'm being condemned, guess what? I get something good. It actually says give. That's a form of giving. It'll be given to you. But guess what happens? A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured in your lap for with the measure used it'll be measured to you. So when you give other people a break, you get something back. Generous. From God. Blessing. Interestingly enough, we think of generosity as money, but actually it's generosity in terms of the way we judge and the way we, you know, even the most crazy people, be careful how you judge them. Right? Be careful on this matter. You can judge righteously. You can look at a person and say, they are off the wall, but that does not mean you condemn them for everlasting off-the-wallness. <laughs> Put them in a category, sweep them away. You know what? Can you remember, like, is there a few bad people in the Bible that were doing some bad things before God got a hold of them? Wow. How about the one that wrote, like, a good person of a writer named Paul who's searching people out, trying to kill them, murder them, for real, Right? God got a hold of them. So there's something in this generosity of forgiveness. And we all know we're being careful that we don't get on that judgment side. There's a fine line there between using the right judgment and evaluating things and then being judgmental in the sense of condemning everybody, putting them in categories and leaving them for dead. Golly, this is the time when we need to get the wisdom from the Lord. And I believe if we'll just be a little generous in that whole thing. And sometimes they don't deserve the generosity and I don't mean that we shouldn't stand up for truth so there's a fine line here, guess what, it's spiritual but on our side it's going to require some generosity and that means we have to step out of our comfort zone and be a little bit more forgiving than maybe we normally would but it comes back on us because when you do that when you learn to give generously see the first thing we need to do is learn to think given differently God's our source, but if you look at your outline the next thing is we learn to, learn to be generous giving people right? And so we see all these passages on generosity. If this was ever a time for the church to be generous, it is absolutely now in every way. The way we treat one another, the way we judge one another, even from the outside, this is the time. It's a fine line, but it's spiritual and it's powerful. And God will give you the wisdom on this if you'll take the step of faith and, and, and believe Him for it. And I just love these verses in Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 68. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should... Give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under uh, compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And this is the part. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So at all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every work. What is the key to that? Well, here it is again. Each of you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Wow, that's a pretty good deal. Verse. 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This is not a time to pull back. It's a time to press forward. I don't see any reason in the world why we, might, why we shouldn't be the most prosperous people on the whole planet. The Bible goes way out of its way to tell us this in so many different ways, Right? So as we're overcoming life's problems, one of the best things you can do to overcome life's problems is be a generous person. Learn to be a generous person. Sowing breakthrough seed honors God and blesses others. Sowing generously moves us toward God, hope, and abundance. No matter what it looks like today, those seeds, sometimes they take a little time to bear, but the spirit of generosity. I want to be a generous church. I want to be a generous person. I want to do it because, first of all, that's what my father's like. He took me in, didn't he? Second of all... It works. It solves life's problems. And this generosity is sometimes tough in an atmosphere like this because we've got so many things threatening us that we never had before. So it's hard, you know. I just encourage you, wherever and however you can be generous. Like we have this housing crisis. People I've known for years can't find a house, can't find a place to live you know what I want to be? I want to be on the other side of that one. I want to be providing houses. (laughs) By God's grace, we're doing it. Our church is learning to do this. We've been housing more and more people in this drought, in this horrible thing. But what the thing is, it's taken is a lot of generosity, but God's helping us. And the wind's blowing behind us. And by the way, when you're generous, you don't suffer yourself. You actually get more, not less. That's the whole secret of the whole thing. Overcoming life's problem has to do with generosity because generosity is moving the exact way of the world. It's stingy. Shut down. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they might have life and have it what? Abundantly. That means you're going to do okay financially. Good measure. Press down. shaken together. poured down into your head. But you've got to get rid of this selfish, ingrown thing and learn to share. Learn to step out. It's the key to life. It's the key to overcoming every problem in your life. Some seeds you sow may look like they are connected to your breakthrough. Some seeds you sow may not look like they're connected to your breakthrough. Sacrificial giving is one of those. But look at this. Look at this verse. I wanna read this to you, it's just incredible. You know, we don't we don't have to house the weak and and feed people and do all the things we do. We get to. It's your privilege. It's your honor to represent Jesus that way. But on top of it, it pays huge dividends. Is this not the kind of fast that I've chosen to loosen the chains of injustice and tie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor water with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood, then what happens? Your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear, COVID or no COVID. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Are you kidding me? Now, what, what, what do I do to get that? Wait, wait, go back here. Let's say, okay, share my food with the hungry, provide the poor wanderer, clothe, okay, oh, wow, okay. Then my light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Wow! Then you'll call, and the Lord will answer. Wow! I really like that one. You'll cry for help, and you'll say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger of malicious talk... Let's just stay away from the pointing finger, okay? <laughs> oh. And it's a hard thing because there's so much mistruth, so much garbage out there. So we've got to be careful how we do that. You can do it in a righteous way. You can say the truth without constantly being caught up in a point this and that, and you're caught up into it. You, that's all you can think about, right? There's a, there's a balance there somewhere. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the part of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. Do I move to Botswana or do I not? Do I move to Maine or not? Do I move to Southern California or not? Not very people are moving here, but anyway. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people rebuild the ancient ruins. Oh, there's a few ruins laying around. And you will raise up the age-old foundations. You'll be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with ones. If there ever was a time when broken dwellings need to be restored, the broken walls need to be restored, it's Now. Now is the time. You know where it comes from? A spirit of generosity. And where does that come from? From the government? No. From the government of God. From the government of God. I mean, it can come from the government, too. That's great, too. But it's, it's our privilege and responsibility. Jesus is out there. Thousands of people Looks around at his disciples and says, Where are we gonna get food for all this? And he says, Well you give him some deed. Is he still saying that today? I have no idea how we're going to deal with this house in Christ. I have no idea how we're going to... All I know is the answer to it will be in generosity. And I have found in our church, the more generous we are, the more housing we are being given. We've been able to house more and more people. We just step out in generosity. God gives us more. More, more, more. It never stops. That's why right now, even in this last year, I think it's 60 to 70 people we found homes for. And we're just increasing. We're getting better and better at it. Because the generosity starts the whole thing rolling. Then before you know it, you become this exact scripture in Isaiah. You become repairer. Of places to dwell, right? It's, it's It's amazing how this is working in our midst, even as we're speaking, right? Uh, even today, you give them something indeed. Oh, yeah. Look at number five there. Take care of God's temple and change your economy, even the weather. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we got to be concerned about our the people of God and His temple and his cause in the earth, right? So, if I could find Haggai, I want to read you the most amazing passage and tell you just this little brief story. I've told you this before. But it's one of the most dramatic stories in the whole Bible along these lines that we're talking about. When we're talking about overcoming life's problems and learning to be a generous person so that in the middle of life's problems we overcome, we, we, we get blessing, we, we actually flourish and grow and prosper. So there's this book of Haggai. So the children of Israel are returning back. They're coming back. They've been in exile for their sins and for their selfishness and for their idolatry. And here they're coming back, right? And they don't have anything. No money, no nothing. And they're across a devastated land and now they're supposed to build in this land. So God gives them one order when they go back. The first thing you go build is build the temple of God. And they're thinking, my gosh, we don't even have enough money to eat with. What are we going to do? How can I build this temple? And He tells them, build the temple. They delayed and they delayed and they delayed. And so this is what the Lord Almighty says. The time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. <laughs> and the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for yourselves to be living in your panel houses while well, this house remains a ruin. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but harvest a little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are, on, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes. So what if we have inflation? So what? Would you stop charting the chart there of how inflation is going up, the prices are going up, da 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 God's got a lot of money last time I checked. He's pretty wealthy, right? Give careful thought to your ways. Go up in the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I might take pleasure in it and beyond it. So what's the Lord's house? Well, it's not just this building or this area. It's the Lord's purposes. It's healing the sick, praying, helping the poor, helping people that don't have houses. It's the mission of the church. It's the whole thing. We're not only a physical place, but that's just a tool for who we really are, right? So if we take pleasure in building God's house, what? See, you expected much, but it turned out to be little. When you brought ho- what you brought home, I blew away. Why? Declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin. Each of you is busy with their own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. I called for a drought in the fields and the mountains on the grain and new wine, the olive oil, and everything and ground else and ground the, the ground produces on people and livestock and all the labor of your hands. Wow! Can you believe this? The people of God weren't being who they were supposed to be in generosity. Right? And building the Lord's house and putting first things first. And guess what? The entire area suffered from a famine. Nothing prospered because the people of God weren't doing the right things. Could it be that when the people of God do the right things and sow the right things and build God's house generously that the whole area benefits? Could that actually be true? That's what happened in Haggai's time. It wasn't that the economy was being affected, only their local economy. Every person, every field, every person, all of them were experiencing a drought and terrible uh, uh, problems because the people of God wouldn't build the Lord's house, wouldn't make it a priority. I'm not talking about necessarily the outside building, I'm just putting God first in their worship, whatever they do. See what I'm saying? So it's so opposite, right? So that's why the government and people sometimes don't understand us. We're having services and there's a COVID virus. We're not particularly worried about mass or whatever. It's, it's, all that's. The key thing is we just want to worship Jesus and come here in freedom and we believe God will take care of us. We just need to come and make sure that we give Him something to eat so we can give everybody else something to eat. We want to put Him first. So a government's never going to understand that whole thing, right? But we do. And then, of course, we have to use wisdom along the way and we have, but I don't know how we measure but everything. but for me, take care of God's temple and He'll change your economy. When you ignore God's temple, you get problems. I don't care what big bad bears out there. Oh my gosh. I think there's going to always be big bad, big, bad bears. The enemy sees to it. If it's not the economy, it's a COVID thing. If it's not the COVID thing, it's a this thing or a that thing. How many things are going to be out there for you? I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to, I guarantee you the times are moving, you're just going to live in fear all your whole life. Instead of building the Lord's house, you live in fear. And guess what? Everything falls apart then. Everything doesn't fall apart when you have a little sickness or illness or thing. It's not the COVID virus. It's when God's people fall apart, then things fall apart. Because we're the ones that control the weather, evidently. Could that be true? Well, I don't know. It was true once. If we be who we're supposed to be, the whole world's blessed. If we become like the world, there's no hope. Right? So our generosity is such a critical thing. We just see this all through scriptures like the widow and Elijah. He goes up to the widow and says, give me something to eat. That's all she's got to eat. Not knowing that the very gift that she gives Elijah is the key yes. to having prosperity the rest of her life. Even to the place where her son dies and was raised from the dead. Just because she fed Elijah and brought him in, the son later died and he raised him from the dead. That little thing that she gave, that little thing, that little bit of food that she had to give to Elijah, she thought it was, And Elijah, did he really need that? No, he was testing her. He was helping her. Does the Lord need your giving? No, he can do just fine well by himself. But he uses it to multiply it back on your own head, your own life, your own blessing. That woman gave that little thing to Elijah. And Elijah says, you know what? You're never going to run out of food again. Then her son dies later. He comes and raises him from the dead. When she let Elijah into her life, what blessing. When you let Elijah, when you let God into your life, what blessing. Yes, it may cost you things, something up in the front. It will cost you something on the surface, on the front. But my goodness, we're so worried. and The way we treat him out there, we were, we're worried like, my man, if this business deal doesn't work out, if that doesn't work out, it's the end of the world. No, it's not the end of the world. The one that controls your economy, your destiny is there in the heavens, and in here. We got to learn to tell the difference if we're going to navigate these times. We have to think differently, give generously. I got all kinds of things to say, but I'll move on to number three. Let's live expectantly. When you make God your only source, and when you learn to give generously toward your breakthrough, you can live expectantly every day of your life. It's at that point you stop worrying about what everybody else was. What should we? What should we go? That's what Jesus was saying. That's exactly what we get into. We just got to make sure we stop doing that, right? We got to be different. Not just following the latest little tidbit of the news and then going up and down and freaking out and yelling, throwing things on the television. I do that a little bit, I got to admit, but... But I've got to keep that worry at base. So do not worry. What shall we say? What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day is enough trouble of its own. You know what he wants us to worry about? Our brothers and sisters, the people around us, that they get the gospel, that they go to heaven, that they know Jesus, and they get healed and restored. That's what God wants us to worry about. When we give attention to His house and we build His house, everything else follows, right? You can expect God's protection. I love these verses so much. Isaiah 53 is about what Jesus bought for us on the cross, and Isaiah chapter 54 is what you get out of it when you receive Him as your Lord and Savior. Look what happens. See, it is I who created the blacksmith who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. It is I who have created the destroyer to wreak havoc. In other words, God's in control of the devil, the the virus, everything. No weapon forged against you will prevail. You'll refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. What an amazing thing. You can expect God's protection, His wisdom... His provision, His peace. You can experience, expect a miracle in every situation you face. We are a miracle people. And listen, if my people who are called by name, by name will humble themselves and pray. So the next time we have a prayer meeting, it's corporate. Let's be God's people for our own sake, if you can't see it, for God's sake. <laughs> if they'll humble ourselves, we'll make sure that we put these things first. And that whole passage comes out of a passage where God called all Israel to humble themselves and pray. I think the house, the day of prayer, should be the very best day of the whole year. (laughs) It should be the one we respond to the most, especially in these times, right? And all the other supernatural ways that we deal with things. Amen. Won't we stand? Yes, Lord. So, Uh, I'd like the people that would like to be baptized to come up. I know that some of you are going to have to leave. Some of you may want to stay around. Before we go, I want to make sure that we just do a little ministry. So if Bob and Ann and whoever's responsible could get everybody ready, get all that off. And uh, I want to do a little ministry before we go, okay? Because I could tell that a number of you were being touched as I was speaking. And it's just so important when we, we talk that we allow the spirit to just come down and and, and when a seed's being sowed out, one of the most important things is about the seed. I learned this with planting grass. You put a little cover over it so the devil or the birds don't get the seed. Some of you guys sowed some important seed in you today, supernatural encouraging seed. I just want to take a moment and if you could just think of this, Lord, I'm going to ask the Lord to cover it so that what I said you remember about the generosity part, about the, the real attitudes we should be carrying, about the courage, just all the things that we said, right? And guess what? I'm not correcting you. I am actually blessing you. God is so happy to bless you that He gave His only Son crucified on a cross for you. He's the one out of His own mouth that said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. He's the one that said that. (sighs) He wants to help you. He proved it with His blood. All right. Just keep bringing the people who are going to be baptized up, but I'm going to pray for the congregation here for a moment, all right? All right. I've been thinking about that fire and... um, it looks extinguished and then it just comes back to life again you know it's 40% contained I think what's happening to us is we're hoping that the fire that's been in our culture will just go away it ain't going away I don't know when it'll be I, I don't know how contained it is craziness in the atmosphere. So we're going to have to do business in the midst of this place. Not hold our breath till all the trouble goes away. If you hold your breath until the trouble goes away, you're going to be in a bad place. You're going to suffocate yourself. <laughs> because we're going to have to learn to swim in this. And I don't know how long until outward signs become better. We just want to make sure that the inward signs in us get better. And we'll navigate every part of this crisis. Ooh, Just fine. All right. So they're going to be busy over here, and we're going to baptize them out. And you could stay for that if you like or not. But okay. All right. My concern for you today is that you're encouraged to the place where you're not making dumb decisions. Okay? You're moving when you're supposed to move. You're staying when you're supposed to stay. You're faithful to God. You're generous when you're supposed to be generous. You're conservative when you're supposed to, but you need the wisdom of the Lord, right? So I'm just going to pray very specifically for various groups of people here. When I pray, I believe that God will do whatever I'm asking. I don't have, like, any room for useless air. If I'm inspired to pray for this, I believe it's going to happen. So I want to pray for everybody whose job situation is, we could say, unsettled. Okay, raise your hand. Lord, in the name of Jesus, for every person whose job situation is unsettled, I pray two things. First of all, that you would give them what they need. That's what you said. Give them this day their daily bread. And the second thing I pray you would do is you show them how to continue to be generous, how to continue to sow what wisdom sowing looks like in their situation. Because you said give and it should be given to you. So show them what it looks like in this situation. And I pray, God, over the congregation, I pray that we would inherit the best jobs. I pray this season we would actually prosper beyond anything that we've ever prospered in. In Jesus' name. I pray you would bless us when we go in and when we go out. In Jesus' name. Some of you are sick in your body. You're physically sick. You're not doing well. So if that's you, raise your hand wherever you are. Keep your hand up. Now, look around you. If there's someone standing next to you, put your hand on them. Make sure everyone has someone covering them. In the name of Jesus, in this great house of prayer, I release the healing anointing of Jesus. May Jesus heal you. Deliver you from evil. May God restore things that have been broken in your body for years. May it stop today. May God dry up every disease, diabetes, sugar issues, issues with our bones, neck injuries, problems with cancer, something that just keeps to be a continual storm and will not seem to go away. I break its hold off of you in Jesus' name. In this great house of prayer. Have mercy. Have mercy. For those of you that are in difficult family situations, if you don't see how there's you're gonna avoid a divorce, or you don't know how you're gonna you don't know what to do about your son or daughter, raise your hands. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that answers would start coming and wisdom would start coming, even for relatives across the country, for people we know, our own children, our own families, our own marriages, our own household. Have mercy on the family of God today. I pray, God, that you would intervene in Jesus' name. We is the house of prayer. Ask you, God to heal in this area and deliver us in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone that prayed, Lord, like that, just help them. I pray that what we're praying right now is the house of God. The prayers that just stick in us and we would be able to pray these again and again and again until you bring the answer. We won't stop asking, seeking, and knocking until the door opens in Jesus' name. Just pray, God, you let a fire in us. You put our hope back. I restore lost hope in Jesus' name. I restore lost hope to you. For all those that need jobs, Lord. For those that need change. For all those that need healing. For all that need their family restored. And there's the last one. We'll pray here together. Then we're going to baptize a bunch of, looks like we've got a bunch of kids and maybe a few adults as well. Wisdom from the Lord. Who needs wisdom for this time? Do I move or do I not? Do I stay here? Do I move to another county, state? Do I take this job or that job? Do I stay in this neighborhood? Do I buy that house? Do I rent that house? what about my kids? Where do they go to school? What do I do about that? Lord, what do I do about this sickness? Do I pursue that doctor or not? What do I do? I call out, Lord, for the wisdom of God to the house of God. I cannot imagine any parents saying, no, I'm not going to help you work harder or get in the wisdom thing. Lord, some of us are actually, and, and some of these problems we're talking about, we are just like, on zero. We do not know. We have no idea what to do. I declare I change that in prayer right now in the name of Jesus. I pray this very week answers would come to you, concrete answers that will stop, start maybe as a one step, two step, three step, would end up in the right place. May God give you the wisdom for your situation in Jesus' name. About decisions to go to school, decisions to move, this job, that job, decisions about your personal life, whatever it is, may the Lord give you wisdom I can't imagine if we call out for wisdom, Lord, say, No, I'm not going to do that today. I'm not in the mood. No, you always give wisdom to those that ask. So I see sincerity. I see a, a full heart today asking for wisdom. So bring the wisdom, Lord, today. This very week, I pray we get an answer to a problem that's been plaguing us for a long time about our health, about our job, about our family, about our living situation. In Jesus' name, I summon beautiful, wonderful living situations for this entire congregation. Whoever's been left out in the cold doesn't have a place to go. May the Lord supply it. Do you think God's up there saying, no way. I'm not going to supply Can you imagine Jesus crucified on a cross for you? Would say, I don't think I'm interested in your living situation. It's too mundane for me. I don't think so. All right, well, I feel better. <laughs>